everyone. It's me, Michelle Lee, editor-in-chief of Allure and host of this podcast. I hope you're enjoying listening to these conversations as much as I'm enjoying having them. This episode, I caught up with Patrick Starr. He was in LA and I was in my office in New York, but we made it happen. I was really eager to bring his voice into our podcast ecosystem for so many reasons. First, his personality is infectious, even from 3,000 miles away. At points, I actually forgot we weren't in the same room. Second, he is super talented and his career is so inspiring. And third, he embodies this message we're on a mission to promote, change. I spoke about this a bit on a previous episode with Bozma St. John. It wasn't that long ago that boys and beauty were not at the forefront of the mainstream. Sure, there have been men in other areas of media and entertainment, like designers, hairstylists and makeup artists, actors. But Patrick is part of this cultural change, this seismic shift, where we're making space for everyone in our world of beauty. Without giving too much away, I'm really excited for all of you to hear about his journey, his point of view on the industry today, and the ways he's working to change and shift culture even further. Stick around for our conversation. This episode of the Allure Podcast is made possible by Ulta Beauty. We've partnered with Ulta Beauty in our new series, See Yourself, See Each Other. No matter where you come from, who you love, or how you look, one thing is certain. Everyone deserves to be seen, heard, and respected. Together, we can create an inclusive space where we're free to share our truest selves and learn from one another without judgment. Learn more at allura.com forward slash see yourself, see each other. Hi, Patrick. Hi. I'm so happy we could do this. So I know that we have a lot to talk about. I feel like you have so much about your career, your life, everything else. But I definitely want to start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? I claim Orlando, but I was born in New York and Manhattan. And I grew up in Queens until I was about nine. And then we moved to Orlando. Oh, wow. I lived in Florida for six years. So I'm always like really interested about people who grew up in Florida. In Orlando, I feel like everyone who I knew who grew up in Orlando felt like there was this really strong Disney presence in their life and how that influenced them. Did you feel that when you were growing up? Oh my gosh, yes. I think just growing up in Orlando, I was inspired by transformation, by like Cinderella, by just everything and like the magic of Disney. And I think that just translates on my channel. And my second name is Patrick Sidney and it's scrambled from Disney because Mama Star loved Disney so much. Oh, when you think back about growing up, what was your earliest memory of beauty? I think just like watching my mom do her makeup and also blow drying her hair without my dad seeing for church. I think that's just like the the most funniest ironic memory of my childhood was like my mom would be so late for church on Sunday and my mom would be like, help me just blow dry my hair. And I would like rush and do it. And she's like, oh my God, your your dad's coming, your dad's coming. And then I would like put it down and like rush back to get ready for church. And we would just go on to church. Was your mom really into hair and makeup and everything? Yeah, she loved getting glam. She loved just feeling pretty. And she loves like matching her bags to her shoes, to her outfit. And I think growing up, I was in denial that I was like her. But then everyone said that we looked alike so much. And I guess with my fashion now, I think it's very much apparent that we are one and the same. (laughs) When you were growing up, did you have an image of what was beautiful? Like, did you look at media or Hollywood or anything else? Like, was there a person who you just idolized and thought, this is the picture of beauty? I think just like the Disney princesses growing up, like them. And I think growing up, I would watch like beauty pageants on like, you know, like Miss America, Miss Universe, what not to wear. 
remember the swan. I think I was just enamored by like transformations and, and, you know, through media and, and like beauty standards. I, I remember always I would tear out all of the CoverGirl ads, like with Rihanna in them, because she had like different consecutive cosmetic campaigns. And I never thought that it would be my job or my career later on. And oh, and also Tyra Banks with America's Next Top Model with the idea of transformation and how to do it. Because at a young age, I noticed I was always obsessed with a process, a process like I would watch caricatures at Disney, like artists draw people on the street or like in Times Square, I would like watch people draw. I would love how to watch how magic tricks happened. And I think I was obsessed with the process growing up and how like I would look up behind the scenes. You know on DVD sets they would have like BTS reels of how the movie was made. I would watch that all the time. And I think that kind of like foreshadowed my idea of like YouTube on how to show a process. So interesting. You mentioned your mom already, but were there other ways that you feel like your family influenced who you are today when it comes to beauty? whether it was siblings or cousins or aunts or uncles or anybody else, like, was there anyone else who influenced how you view beauty today? Growing up Filipino, you know, my, my parents came here in 1986, and then I was born in 89. And so there, I don't really have any cousins or uncles or aunts, but I think the idea of be, being committed to each other taught me so much discipline. So I, I literally grew up with no aunts, no uncles, just the grandparents on my dad's side. And my parents really taught me to just work hard, focus on your family, and always care about each other. And I think just discipline and focus, because there was so much pressure on, on school and consistency. I think consistency was a thing because my parents and, you know, threw me in piano lessons. They threw me in swimming. They threw me in golf. We grew up on five acres of land. We would mow the grass. We had like three tractors. So I would have like the front of the yard. We're all peas. Patrick, Peter, Paul, Peter would have the side of the yard and Paul would have the backyard. And we would just be on our little, imagine like three Filipino little boys, like mowing tractors, like, like all at the same time, like little workers. <laughs> so I think all of that, I, I guess like that sheltered life sparked imagination in me and to explore, I guess, oneself. My husband is also Filipino. And I know that within Filipino culture, like there are some different beauty standards over there. Do you feel like growing up Filipino influenced who you are today also? Girl, let me tell you, like, in our community, there was a Filipino group called Bayanihan. And I don't think I've ever talked about this, but, you know, we grew up doing cultural dances, Filipino, uh, Philippine Independence Day in June. And we would do cultural festivals. And I actually, you know, would do traditional folk dance. And so <laughs> naturally, I think I was like, a leader in a sense, because I would like design all everyone's costumes. There's Patrick Starr clicking the bamboo in a barong and doing the tinnacling, the sinke, the, the bunko dance. And it's just crazy that, that the Filipino culture definitely has influenced who I am today as, as far as diversity. Yeah. And I feel like there's like such a sense of fun in Filipino culture also. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun. F Filipinos are, are such kind people, such beautiful people. I mean, you, you got Miss Universe, you got <laughs> Leia Salonga, you got all these stars and it's, it's just, it's just crazy. 
you wouldn't traditionally think about it that way. So I also know that Filipino culture and my in-laws specifically are very, very religious. It's a very typically Catholic society. Was your family also very religious growing up? Yes, girl. Oh my gosh. I would go to CCD. I would go to confirmation, all the above. We would, we would pass around the Virgin Mary in Filipino homes. We would pray. We would, we would eat a lot of food after we would house hop and just understanding personalities because Filipino personalities in all cultures, there's always different personalities and how to balance them. And I was just a very observant child. So I think. Being, you know, a, a YouTuber and tying it back into my makeup, you know, I'm able to identify different social people and how to deal with them. Because growing up Filipino, you have to appease these crazy aunts that ask you crazy questions, these crazy uncles, especially growing up gay, especially growing up them knowing that you're gay, but you don't want them knowing that you're gay. So to kind of dance around that idea, I think was... I was very, very cognizant. Was there a time when you came out to your whole family? So you're obviously like your immediate family, but also extended family? I think they just knew. I really never had a coming out official to my parents. Never. I was just always flamboyant and just me. And I think, you know, my Filipino parents never wanted to shun me. They just know that that's, that's all that we had. All we had was each other. So they really wanted to just accept me for who I was. And, you know, I was doing hair and makeup on the other kids, you know, so I think they just knew. So besides doing hair and makeup on other kids and mowing the lawn, what were some of your first jobs that you had? My first job was teaching piano. We had two pianos in the home. And I would just play piano all the time. And I would go to piano lessons. And I was studying at UCF classical piano. I was playing like Chopin, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, and I just loved piano because I think it was a way to express myself through music and just let, let a lot of anger out. I noticed whenever I would be sad or mad or bullied, I would just go to the piano and just let all my frustration out through through music. And, and I think through studying notes on the piano, I think that was an outlet for me to concentrate on and hone in. And, and add myself into that emotionally. At what point did you get really, really into makeup? Watching YouTube, I wanted to do makeup. And, you know, going back to America's Next Top Model, you know there's that episode where, I, where all the models get, like, their model makeover. And I just loved the end goal that the girl got to be, like, a cover girl or have their international campaign. So I think that's when I went... Visually, I was like so sparked with beauty. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. They became like this hometown girl to like a household name. And so my uncle, who's a doctor, I call him my uncle. He's not really my uncle. You know, Filipinos and Asians, you know, you always, you, you just call each other like aunts and uncles, Tito and Tita. Like, like that's just how the brown world works. I know. My, my kids are so confused. They're like, wait, we're not related. <laughs> no, literally. I just call them my cousins. Even though they're not your cousins, you just grow up together so much and you eat together so much and holidays so much. You just end up calling them like your family. So, you know, my parents' friends, I call my uncle. He had this expensive camera and he didn't know how to use it. So I thought, asked to borrow his camera and do photography. So that's when I started doing photography when I was 16. 
I started to play with Photoshop. And with Photoshop, I remember I was like contouring, highlighting, basically what the kids now call face tuning. I was face tuning back then, like blush, lipstick. Would you use a photo of your own face and then you'd be doing like the contour and everything on your own face? I was actually recreating like photo shoots on like my cousins or relatives. And we would, I would take the camera and do the photo shoot, go home and Photoshop it and send it to them and, you know, maybe like retouch their skin. How did you learn how to do makeup when you first started doing it? Like, obviously you were, you were getting some trial and error doing Photoshop, but like, were you watching, were you like reading books? Were you looking at magazines? How did you learn techniques? So I got a job at Panera because some of my friends worked at Panera and right next to Panera was Barnes and Noble. And so I was able to go to Panera, work, get a check, buy myself clothes and my younger brother's clothes, and also go to Barnes and Noble and like scurry into the woman's self development section. And there would be books on beauty. And I remember a book by Robert Jones, a beauty book where he would show befores and afters and, and what he did explaining each and every brush, each and every product and what type of product and how to use it. And I bought the book. I still have it at home in Orlando. It was very much that aha moment because here is a book talking about how to make someone look beautiful. And I was so itchy to, to do it. And also, too, like watching America's Next Top Model, I was obsessed with how they got those photos. So I would see like, you know, Nigel Barker or Mike Rosenthal, who's now a friend of mine, how to do the process and how to make this magic come to life. And so that was how I learned makeup. And then I, you know, I was balancing teaching piano, working at Panera, and then I was doing photography. And... With my photography, I started to add hair and makeup. So here we are at 17 now, 17, 18 years old. I'm now charging to do, you know, hair and makeup for these little quinceañeras in Orlando or these Filipino relatives and for their birthday parties or their wedding or your tita de this or your tita's Lola's cousin or grandma, whoever. I was just doing odd and jobs here and there, like senior pictures, weddings, maternity shoots. That's incredible. The first time you did makeup on yourself, where it was like really like giving yourself a full face, do you remember stopping and looking at yourself and being like, oh my God, this is so good? It's so crazy. It was gradual for me, like years. I would start off with foundation and do foundation for like a few months. And then I would do like a little bit of contour on my eyes with like a bronzer and cheeks. And then eventually I did like mascara. This is, I'm talking months you know, and then I worked at Mac and then I went add like a little bit of a smoky eye. And then I was always interested and then always brows, just like blocky, thick, concealed brows. And that's like what we call the boy beat, you know, the beat face for, for boys. I don't recall like ever a time being aha or like a whoa or like a wow moment because it was so gradual. <laughs> and when did YouTube come into your life? I think I was working at Mac. I was working at Mac 2011, 2012. And I remember I had, I was working there for like a year and everyone was like, you should like start a YouTube channel. And I was like, who's going to want to watch a chubby Filipino boy do makeup? And they were like, you got to do it. I was a freelancer at Mac. And so whenever I had no hours and I was like I have nowhere 
to express myself. Like I had something tangible to express myself. You know, I had the piano at home, but now I got a taste of beauty and the process of beauty and constantly doing it at work freelance wise at a Mac counter or a Mac store. And that pushed me into starting my YouTube channel. And I, wo- I literally woke up one day and was like, oh my God, I think I'll do my YouTube channel. And going back to it, I was doing photography. So I remember I had this $50 linoleum backdrop from Home Depot. You know, like the linoleum tile flooring. I read on a photography blog that some, you know, hacks, photography hacks was to use linoleum as a photo backdrop. But the underside of it. Oh, so it's not shiny. It's not shiny, but it's like the 2% gray. I remember putting it up in, in my parents' living room. And I set up a camera in front of this big window, the biggest window in my parents' home. And I did my first ever tutorial, my daily glam makeup tutorial. And I remember I had like 3,000, 2 or 3,000 followers at the time. And then I remember posting it and there was a secret hashtag called like IG Beauty Boys or IG Mac Boys. And through that hashtag, I think we all started finding the secret like underground community on Instagram. And then with that video, I gained like, I think 2000 or a thousand followers from that first video with my Instagram. And it was just crazy. And I got hooked, I think. From there. And then I remember going back to Mac and I was like, yeah, I started my YouTube channel. You should subscribe. And it was, it was just, it was just funny because I was so small. <laughs> At that point, how often were you producing videos? It wasn't like anything specific, but I remember I would, whenever I would be bored or I had no hours or if I, if I wasn't like teaching piano or one of my other odd end jobs, I would just, you know, poop out a video. (laughs) It wasn't consistent until 2014. But I remember one, I mentioned this in all my interviews, that one of the times that propelled my channel was, it was my third video ever on my channel, uh, Winged Eyeliner and a Red Lip Tutorial. And at the time, a young girl named Talia Joy was alive. Her Instagram was Talia Joy, and she was, you know, a cancer patient and she was very very young and she was deemed like a cover girl by Ellen DeGeneres and she was very very popular she had a million followers and that was just unheard of like no one was a million followers because that's when Instagram just started she liked my video on her YouTube and commented and I remember gaining so many followers because she had passed and her YouTube channel was organized in a way where you could see her activity and what she commented and what she liked. And one of the last things that she liked and commented was my video. So when Ellen and YouTube Rewind and Goss Makeup Artist and Candy Johnson and all these big beauty superstars were sending their condolences to her, people would look at it and say like, oh my God, this was one of the last things that she liked. Tell you like this, tell you like this. And I remember I visited her at the hospital before she had passed. And we was my first and last time just talking makeup and everything. And she was giving me advice and music and how I should work on my channel. She grew an attraction to me and I gained thousands of subscribers. I want to say like 15 to 20,000 just for my third video because of all, all the traction that, and all the, all the love that she got from, from her, her, her video. And I remember my friend had messaged me and said, Hey, you know, I think Talia left you a gift. 
And although we couldn't collab, I'll never forget her. I work with her, her family to this day. Yeah, she's your angel. Yeah, it's just amazing. Definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about gender and being a, a boy in the beauty industry. From the time that you started, how do you feel like things have changed? Things have vastly changed. It's not perfect, but the, the awareness, the, the social awareness, how the youth is, is so woke, how the kids call the woke. <laughs> it's amazing. And I remember, you know, it's so funny. I was talking to an influencer the other day and, and he's, he's, he's a boy and he was like, oh my God, um, I want to be, imagine like a boy, boys in a campaign. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. He's like, wouldn't that be so cool? And I'm like, girl, it's been done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just so funny. I feel like I've had this conversation with a bunch of people lately. I feel like there are pros and cons to being a role model, right? Do you feel like you're fully embracing it? Do you feel the, the sort of heavy weight of it? How, how do you feel about being a role model? I feel good. I think, I think you, to be a role model is just to be your authentic self and to just, to just live life. I think that's out of everything, just, just being happy, but also being sad too and, and being vulnerable, I think is just one of the things. See, it's, it, being vulnerable is so innate for me online that for others, I think listening or watching my videos can't, like, I think I find it aspirational. So. I guess, I guess if, if one were listening to be a role model, I think just being vulnerable is something so beautiful, but so hard at the same time. Yeah, definitely. We've had some other amazing guests on the podcast. We had Aquafina, Mae Musk, Bozma St. John, but you're really the first person who is truly at the center of the beauty industry and you're kind of seeing things from all different sides. What, in your opinion, is the industry doing right or wrong when it comes to representation? I think the industry, what they're doing right is opening their eyes, doing research and development, marketing the right way with what they could be doing wrong is, I think, scripting too much. And I think if brands or the beauty industry is to trust the influencer on how to speak to things naturally. I think that's where they could go right. But I think that's where it can go. I think trust is, is a big issue, especially with successful influencers. You know, I think that's, that's the one thing I think specifically from brand to influencer to consumer. I, I started my own representation, like beauty agency where I represent you know, some smaller influencers and, and mentor them and guide them. And I was speaking to them at a dinner the other night. And I said, you know what? Let me give you an analogy. Patrick Starr is full of analogies. So I don't know if this is a good one, but, but I told them, you know, we as influencers are the elves. Okay. And then there's Santas, which are the brands and the children are the consumers. And we have to make them believe authentically so we the elves work with santa to create gifts and toys and presents and it's up to us to make it look beautiful and to make it great whether we partner with them to create a gift or a product or to create content to deliver to the kids to want to believe authentically in us it's about your job in the line of business of beauty is to deliver beautiful gifts, 
Put out great content. You're here to influence and inspire people and give them a message of hope. I love that analogy. <laughs> Thanks. I, I hope it made sense because I have like such stupid analogies at times and I'm like, damn, I'm crazy. After the break, more with Patrick Starr. You all know I love Ulta Beauty. For one, I think we have a lot in common as brands since we both celebrate the beauty in every person and believe beauty is limitless. I live in the suburbs, so I love going to the stores out there, which are enormous. You can find almost anything in makeup, fragrance, hair care, and skincare. They have over 20,000 products. And have you been to the New York City store? Oh my God, it is amazing. It's just light and bright and has such a good, fun vibe because Ulta Beauty knows you aren't there to get beautiful. You're there because you already are. Visit Ulta.com to learn more and to find a store near you. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. Welcome back to the Allure podcast. More with Patrick Starr now. So I want to talk a little bit more about gender and just like different gender stereotypes. Like I definitely feel like in the past five years, especially like things have changed quite a bit. Obviously, we're not there yet. But do you feel like society and culture is becoming more open to erasing gender stereotypes? Society through social media, I think, is opening up the eyes of different genders. The LGBTQ... A, there are so many letters on that now that there's such a, a diverse range of, of gender. But through social media, through, through people telling their story, society is, 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 society through social media is, is allowing voices to, to be heard and different genders to be seen and through storytelling and going back to it to, to give these people a platform. Brands are now giving that voice and credibility to, to to validate them. Because I think that's that's the thing with society. People want to see a diploma. People want to see a blue check mark. And it's just it's just almost like people want to see like a YouTube plaque. Like, you know, when you log into your damn email, you want a two-step verification that, that that gender is allowed. But when you have someone credible, whether it's a collaborator, whether it's a brand leveraging or adding credibility to that person that's when that person that unique person that beautiful person is accepted in society so i imagine most of the comments that you get on youtube and instagram like on all your different platforms is super positive but as with anyone we all get like our hater <laughs> comments how do you deal with hater comments and has that changed for you over time literally from the beginning i remember the feature where you could block words so my list of words, I want to say, is so, so long. And I noticed that it brought my engagement down. I remember at one point, there was like, I think like 70,000 comments that were like in the filtered pile that I had to just look through and like approve. Oh my gosh, it was, it was such a nasty bin. But the reason why I did that when I started my channel, I said, I want to have a purpose. I want to be aspirational. I want to show diversity. Now, if children are watching or if people of color or people that are gay or, you know, are, are still in the closet or sheltered that want to find refuge in my channel, then I have to be aware of the space that I am providing. 
So if they come to my space and they scroll through and they click and they scroll through and they see that I'm getting hated on so much, does it make it aspirational for them to want to aspire to be like me if I'm getting so much hate? Because if not, it would do the opposite. If they see all this hate, it would more so scare them. But here I am trailblazing on the internet on self-acceptance and I think the messaging with the support being shown is my responsibility because it's my house. It's Patrick Star's house. You ain't, you ain't take off your shoes, ma'am, take off your shoes and you know, you may answer. I actually brought this up to the CEO of Instagram and I said, listen, YouTube is filtering comments because as a gay man, we are able to filter comments. And we're able to control our space because as a person, I want to be able to navigate my own space because if I, if I don't, then what I just explained to you, like how, how can it be aspirational if I'm hearing the word faggot and the gun emojis every freaking time, you know, and people are seeing this. And so guess what? A month later. Instagram posted that feature that you can filter comments and filter words. I think it was really, really special and they listened. That's amazing. Yes. So, okay. What does your kind of like day to day, I'm sure it's completely different every single day, but if it was like a normal day, what would be your morning and nighttime routine? For like skincare? Yeah, I would say skin, like skincare. Like when you wake up in the morning, are you doing like a full skincare routine? Do you do full skincare at night? Oh my gosh, I just saw this video of the 60 second rule. You wash your face for 60 seconds and you massage it and sing the alphabet and so you get a thorough cleanse. And what I'll do is I will just spray a toner. I like sprays. I like spray toners. So I'll spray like the tea tree toner by Lush and spray it on my face. And I've been obsessed with the Murad Revitalixer. It has like little fuchsia or maroon beads inside it's so 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 delicious on the skin and it just gives me a glow just did it this morning and i'll walk around my home or go to my studio with like eye patches and put on oula henriksen eye cream oh i love that and then besides products are you a person who gets like do you get facials and like different treatments yes i I do get facials I love facials. I'll probably do them like once or twice a month, depending on what I have going on or if I'm breaking out. I'll get extractions. I'll do a Tatcha facial by Yoli. She'll do extractions and use Tatcha products and she'll do a lymphatic drainage massage on me. Other than that, I'll maybe do Hydra facials too, which is more um, abrasive on the skin as far as facials. But as far as night, I love cleansing my face at night. I love taking off my makeup, if I wear makeup, but I, I've been using the Glow to O Toner by Ola Henriksen. It's brand new. It's so good. I think I really studied specifically as I get older, like what helps the skin. So I recently learned about AHAs and BHAs. So if you're listening, just Google what the difference between AHAs and BHAs are. And the toner by Ula is an AHA cleanser. So I just love learning that stuff. And if you have acne, use the BHA. That's amazing. When you were younger, did you have acne? Yes, I had acne. I was like, you know, when you grow up Filipino, girl, you eat all this food, greasy food. You eat so much rice. You clog your skin. And then I was in marching band and I would just go outside, eat bad, you know, open the pores, trap the dirt. And yeah, I had a lot. 
a bad acne. I think especially when I started growing my facial hair because a lot of, you know, I think being chubby and, and the facial hair go, growing through the, the chubs <laughs> would, <laughs> was a little bit harder and I would get a lot of ingrowns in my face. So regular facials are, are great. Yeah. I love skincare. I love a good like face massage also. So we know obviously you're amazing at doing your own makeup, but do you like having your makeup done by other people too for like shoots and other appearances? I do. I think especially being a YouTuber now, there's like 101 things going on with calls, with approvals. And you know what? This is such a bougie Patrick Star thing, but sometimes I don't have time to watch like YouTube videos. So I think as, as my job, like I'll sit and watch YouTube videos as I'm getting my makeup done. And also with different makeup artists, I'm able to chat different techniques and explore. So that's my research and development. I'm literally asking my makeup artists what they love and what they like or what they see that's new. And I also, you know, explore the internet. Like, what do you like? Or what's, what is their view on, on makeup? I mean, I didn't mean to go back, but yes, I like getting my makeup done by other artists. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if you could just name like three holy grail products right now, so whether it's skincare or makeup, like what are three things that you're loving right now? I think I'm going to do all skincare for this one because I I just love skincare. I love the Ula toner because it, it resurfaced my skin. So if you have texture or you suffer from texture, love that. The second product would be the the night cream that it comes with, Bakuchiol, because it's a plant-based retinol. So it won't strip your skin. It's natural. It rest- like you're, you just wake up glowing. And when I wake up glowing for like a red carpet or an event, I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be a good makeup day because my skin is literally so smooth and ready for makeup. So the Glow to O toner and the, the night cream. The, that goes with it and also the revitalixer too it just really wakes up my skin when i wake up glowy from the night before like when i wake up in the day the revitalixer just like wakes me up and maintains that skin so i have a constant cycle of good skin not all the time and i'll get a bad day those three products are are in my 2019 every day what else do you do for self-care and relaxation Oh my gosh, I've been going to this, every Sunday there's this food thing called Smorgasbord. It's such a trend right now. I'll like go and I'm such a foodie, so it's on Sundays and I'll, there's so many vendors. So if you ever get the chance to go to LA, it's huge. Oh my God, that sounds like my dream. <laughs> Girl, please let me know when you come to LA. I will go with you. We will get Filipino food or whatever you want. They have tacos, they have lobsters, they have matcha, they have they have literally dumplings with straws inside that are huge it's it's really really freaking cool and they have different types of food every sunday and i just love it because i just love the smells the sight the sound and just being around people and it's just fun that there's just a bunch of foodies and it just relaxes me also to eat but also you know to start my week on a sunday with like just food and a frenzy of like color i also love making my bed too. It just like relaxes me. So when I go back at night, even though I work from home, I just like look at my bed and I'm like, ah, oh, finally I can like, undo. and I have like 
freaking like a hundred pillows on my bed too. So <laughs> what do you do for relaxation? What do I do? I feel like I put headphones on and I'll listen to music. I love getting massages. Like if I could get a massage, I would love to get it. It's not always realistic though, but I feel like I've been trying really hard to get into meditation. I got a couple of meditation apps. I don't think it's working. <laughs> I don't think it's working on me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I just love learning like what other people do to de-stress. Other people tell me that they exercise to de-stress. It's not me. <laughs> Girl, I'm not I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. I wish. I'm the opposite. I love to eat and go to a food truck festival to relax. <laughs> I am with you. <laughs> yes, come. Amazing. All right, I have one more question which has nothing to do with beauty products or anything else, but when you look at your life 10 years from now, where do you see yourself? Oh my gosh, I see myself, I think, as a CEO of a few brands. I don't know. Having a home. You notice how I didn't say house. I love people. I love to entertain. I don't know about a family. I feel like I, like, my kids are my subscribers and my businesses that I would love to have. Maybe do fashion, maybe do shoes, turbans. I don't know. My little agency right now. I don't know. I think. Maybe my own talk show or I would love to continue to to do what I'm doing now on a much larger level in 10 years. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, just my quotes are life opens up when you do and makeup is a one size fits all. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And I definitely will let you know when I'm in LA because we're going to do smorgasbord. Yes. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. All right. Thank you. For more interesting conversations on all things beauty and beyond, Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app or visit allure.com forward slash the Allure podcast. The Allure podcast hosted by me, Michelle Lee, produced by Allure, is part of the Condé Nast Media Group. Hey, hey, hey.